you guys don't know that uh, we got a little candid before we turned on the mics this Super time. Super candid. And they'll never know. You'll never what know. What it was about or how many tears were shed mm-hmm. or uh, I'll give you any of those details. It was about my butt. <laughs> Well, they they know that it's probably not that because that usually happens once we've started an episode. <laughs> yeah, you hold that off until My the butt mic's on hot. Hardwood. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, a good future EP title for uh, your, for your comedy album. That's your special. Butt on hardwood. That's your comedy special. <laughs> my butt on hardwood. My butt, on the, hardwood. My butt like M apostrophe. Don't even say my, my butt on hardwood. Yeah, there you go. You heard it here first. Man, that's a, like that one may be one of our first exclusives. Mm-hmm. Oh man, we're a few years ahead of time, but yeah. it's gonna come through. It's gonna come through for us, right. absolutely. So basically, make that happen, okay? I remember. Right. Uh, you're listening to Movie Schmovie. I'm Steve. I'm John. I'm Ron, and uh, we're here for a special episode 199.5. Yes. Uh, we told yeah. you we might wedge another one in before uh, we get to our big 200, but yeah, and we did, and this is it, and we did. So you were <laughs> yeah. warned. Yeah. <laughs> but this is not a you were warned episode. No, this is an no. episode about a movie that I think we all we all enjoyed. I think so. Yeah, in some way or another, it's pretty enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a movie that I mean, like I kind of was aware of this film uh, a little over a year ago. I saw some reviews about it coming out on some of the festival circuits. I, I think maybe like Fantastic Fest last year, mm-hmm. and and uh, it just seemed really interesting to me. I, I love the way a movie can be like kind of promoted as like a holiday horror film mm-hmm. or a holiday thriller film. And uh, the movie at that point was called Safe Neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And it kind of bounced around, bounced around. I kept seeing articles, reviews that had come out last year about it from those those festivals that were pretty positive about it. It made it sound really interesting. Um, and not to mention that the cast, two of the lead actors in the film were the brother and sister from The Visit, M. Night Shyamalan's film. So I was aware who they were. And in this film, they were starring together again, not as brother and sister this time, but sharing the screen again so i was really interested and it kind of just went away for like literally almost a year mm-hmm. and uh, a couple months ago I, I saw it was announced that it got picked up for distribution and it was the title was changed to better watch out mm-hmm. which seems a little more appropriate for a, a holiday film interesting better watch out is both a better title yes and another it also throws it in with other horror movie titles that have similar names to that. Like, if you'd told me there already were movies called Better Watch yeah. Out, I would believe yeah. you. I, but this is a good title. Yeah. So I didn't know yeah. I didn't know anything about this movie, Steve, when you said, let's check it out. Right. Um, so, so yeah, that title, to me, it was like, is that a remake? Because that almost sounds like one of those 70s, 70s horror films. Yeah. So in a way, congratulations <laughs> to them if no one's ever called a movie that before. But I the like fact that it plays into that. Piece. Yeah, the holiday thing. It Thanks, Killing. Nicely. Better yeah. Watch Out. <laughs> Better this okay. Let me say this ahead of time. It is better than Thanksgiving. Like don't don't. It's a good benchmark. Yeah, yeah. That we're, we're not saying. I'm not saying that it's the same. In that same. <laughs> not at all. So yeah. So I don't know. So it got a distribution. It comes out today on video on demand, mm-hmm. and I think in select theaters. And uh, we were fortunate enough to to have an opportunity to to see the film before it came out. Um, they they set us up to be able to watch the film. And uh, are we making moves? I don't know, man. I, I just, it was a shot in the dark. I just emailed mm-hmm. them, and and you know what? Somebody wrote back. Yeah. So I mean, like cool. maybe this is our first step into be able to do this kind of thing. It'd be kind of cool. And 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 halfway through this episode, we were fortunate enough to be able to uh, speak with one of the stars of the film, Ed Oxenbold, who a lot of people probably know from The Visit, like I mentioned, and a lot of other people probably know him from. I would never get this right. Alexander and the Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Horrible, oh, okay. Terrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Right, right, right. He started in that with like Steve Carell and I think Jennifer Garner. I like that movie a lot. Um, well, I had no idea that the kid, having heard your interview with yeah. him, you said we got a chance to talk to him, but it was yeah. just Steve Phil. Right. So you it, get to hear Steve's velvety pipes. And then the kid has, uh, is that an Australian accent? So here's the thing. Almost the entire cast and production company is Australian. Uh, you know how I knew that? 
I but, found that out in researching the other, like where they were off. There's from. something the about the guy it. that shows up midway through the movie yeah. has a crazy accent. Yeah, I was he like, does. that's not an American accent. He does. He does. And it did seem like a sort of satirical version of of yeah. like normal America yeah. to the point where the parents at the beginning. There's something about them that almost seems like off-putting or creepy, even though I, they're the right. two most recognizable actors in the, in the in film, the film yeah. uh, Virginia Madsen and uh, Patrick Warburton. But their interplay was so, like, arch that it did make me think, what is it about this movie? But the notion that it was made by non-Americans does does feel like it's sort of quietly commenting on America right. in a strange way. Yeah, I know the majority of, like, the acting was, gotcha. actors were uh, are Australian or from New Zealand, one of the two, and then I, I'm pretty sure the filmmaker was. I, I'm not 100% on And that. I don't mean that the accents are crazy. I just mean, like, I was expecting American accent when the gentleman came in, and it just wasn't. Right, it threw you off. Yeah, so, I mean, basically, we're going to stay away from spoilers for this yes. first portion, and then we'll kind of go into the interview that I had, but mm-hmm. um, we'll talk about some spoilers after the fact. But in a nutshell, this is simply a, uh, like I said, a holiday thriller, horror-ish film. Uh, babysitter comes over to watch a kid while the parents go out. Um, the kid is in love with the babysitter, uh, and and that's kind of like a through line. Kind of and a puppy dog. Puppy dog. Like, this John is my Hughes chance. Kind of crush. Yeah, like she's right. she's moving away. This is my last chance to 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 make my move. I'm gonna make this one count. Exactly. And, and then he's, he's 12 on the verge of 13, and she's 18. Right. So right. we can see that they've kind of grown up together, but also she's always been a, a, a bigger kid than him. So she know, is yeah. totally not going to find him. To be a sexual being, right. most likely, yeah. unless she's kind of creepy, and he's got <laughs> sights set on her, and so yeah. it's a relatable but also slightly uncomfortable situation right. that we're going into. So yeah, during this evening, uh, they basically something happens where somebody's trying to get in the house. You know, mm-hmm. there's a mm-hmm. it kind of has a home invasion kind of angle to it, um, and then I guess we'll kind of not go beyond that mm-hmm. in terms of just the the, the description of the film. Mm-hmm. If if, that, if that's all you need to know beyond what our feelings are, just know that about the movie. If if you end up having an interest in seeing it, yeah. that's all you should go in. I think it's a movie that benefits from uh, not being watched a lot of trailers for. And they've done a pretty good yeah. job of not giving away too much in the trailers, and uh, just kind of going for it. If you want kind of like a fun, uh, you know, October now. You're looking for a bunch of like thrillers, horrors, like easily finds mm-hmm. a way to be like the the horror movie of the day for you, possibly. If you if you're the, if you're like me and try to watch one a day this month, uh, this this would easily fall into uh, an option for you, I think. And if you like movies like The Strangers, yeah. Funny Games, You're Next, yeah, I think that's a good field to say. This movie yeah, sort of definitely. plays around in that field. One thing I will say about the movie, the first thing I noticed is that it feels very lean. It feels like it uses the minutes pretty... Yeah, it moves fast. It moves really fast. I mean, it's only like an hour and a half, Yeah. so it's an easy watch. It, yeah. But, but I mean, even within that, it gets to... Like, yeah. you could have a slow burn horror film that saves till about 40 minutes in what this movie gets to in about 10 or 15 minutes. Right. Like it's, it's interested in getting there getting there quickly so that you understand the terms of what you're really watching. Sometimes, sometimes I guess when you get through the, the portion that you're talking about and it picks up, you kind of don't realize what's going on until... You're like almost towards the end, like oh oh yeah, it clicks. The tone yeah. changes, the the feeling of it changes, and it uses the minutes pretty, pretty intelligently, to be honest with you. And and it feels at first it feels very vanilla, but you realize it has a lot of character based on some of the things that are happening around it. Mm-hmm. You know, at at first glance, it feels like just another film about a home invasion, but yeah. as it kind of picks up you realize that it's a little different than what you might think it is is this a comedy is this a satire is this a full-on horror i mean how would you classify this film i generally think of all these movies as horror films because i want to i want to point out how 
how varied horror movies yeah, can be. Totally. Yeah, totally. But I think that you see a movie like this, and it does it does bring that question up of is this almost like a satire more so than it is a horror film, That's or do you think it still really... has its mind more on those visceral kicks? I think it does. Uh, I mean, there's definitely some dark comedy in it, and yeah. I mean, I think that's probably the ammunition for like the feeling that yeah. you're suggesting like if it's a satire or not but I think it kind of sticks with a lot of the I mean it, it feels very meta at times and um, I always like that like there's a little bit of a scream element to it for me as well mm-hmm. yeah um, there's some lines that are directly from scream right I don't know like the middle finger thing like how many fingers that I don't I know that was that's from one of the screams. Like when she's like in the window, she's like, "How many fingers do I have up?" That oh, that okay. is from. Okay. Okay. I, I specifically remember that. Funny enough, because of you guys, you guys right. have done something to me. You guys have, have, <laughs> have up a bit. impressed upon me this idea that <clears throat> there's there's this high art sometimes when it comes to horror films that I never really paid attention to. Mm-hmm. That not that I was ignoring, but there's an homage to a bunch of films, not necessarily horror, but. A couple totally, of films, yeah. But, but I guess the the difference is where parody kind of comes in is parody would like take it to a point where it's like absurd, d- absurd. Mm-hmm. And this kind of show, this just kind of says, "Oh, we love this thing. Mm-hmm. Here's what here's a piece of this film that we loved, blended into the film." So I think one of the things I this is like not character work, not like yeah. where it's going. That really stood out to me, and it's so weird because I feel like I always look at this stuff and. Uh-huh. The production design for the house yes. was really, really good. Yeah, it was. Like, it really did a great job of, like, you almost, like, as I watched it and got into the second and third act, like, it did a really good job of mapping the house out. Like, where yes. I knew where they were mm-hmm. when they weren't in the same room together. Yeah. Because there's a lot of, like, splitting off and, like, there's characters going here and there's characters going there. And not only was this the, the design of this, like, lived-in American house, yeah. you know, like, the perfect house that has reindeer on the roof and lights everywhere. It's just, it's, like, picturesque. It's like the holidays. Yeah. It's perfect. And It the, almost felt like it could have been a period piece until the first smartphone yes. pops right, right, out. Right, like, right, the right, way right. that it felt and just the way the house looks and everything. I mean, I think maybe it's right there at the beginning where the, the lead is in the car and she's she's fussing around with, with her phone, phone. Yeah. but yeah. I, 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 I mean that was the moment where I was like oh and I kept having to remind myself oh wait we know this is modern, modern day yeah. but it definitely had that warm nostalgic glow almost like it was like I said standing on the outside of these movies and kind of commenting on them and um, I would specify the difference in my mind between what I'm calling satire and parody mm. I think spoofing I don't feel like this movie spoofs no, anything no. but I feel like as a bit of a commentary on some archetypes that we see in films and the characters that we naturally sympathize with. Sure. I think this movie plays around with that sure. idea of like, who do you, who do you sympathize with when you watch this kind of movie and why? Who do you relate to and why? And the movie has some pretty interesting things to say about that. Yeah. And I think that was wise to set it in the modern day, but give it this kind of rosy, nostalgic glow of all these movies. And what I'm realizing talking to you guys is one of the reasons why that meta-ness doesn't break the reality of the film mm-hmm. is because the characters in this movie if you were a 12 going on 13 year old boy right now you would be obsessed with pop culture Absolutely. and aware of all these things Absolutely. so I think that it becomes almost like a thing that makes it both more satirical and also more realistic that pop culture exists yeah. that the people in the movie are aware of if this were a movie what kind of movie what they are do, in yeah. Yeah. there's only two things that <laughs> that was yeah that's a good point kind of okay so there's only a couple movies that play around with like power the way that this movie does hard candy and like yeah. a kid that yeah. kind of plays around with an adult and, sure. and, and like vice versa where the power shifts a little bit a lot mm-hmm. um, and a, little was, bit a, lot. a little bit a lot a little bit a lot that's your second comedy album a little bit a lot 
Man, we were just pumping them out today. I know, man. Shit. So now you got to make two comedy albums. <laughs> a little bit of luck. Let's get on that. And then um, the only thing that bothered me about the spacing thing that didn't feel like it, it really made any sense was when the stairs kind of raised up. Like, if, mm-hmm. if you're going into a, an attic, oh, 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 oh. a human being would have heard from any place in the house that something was like, eh. Like, yeah. it, that fucked with me really bad. But mm. aside from that, the the spacing of everything felt very real. Yeah. So I, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes like you just lose where you are in this, like you know, because it's taking place in one place, like the entire yeah. film. You know what I mean? Right. And there's a lot of thought that went into like where the couches were, where the chairs were, and I mean, and that thought, you know, is is really apparent more in the latter part of the film. But I think that you know, being able to follow characters off screen. Whether you the camera is actually doing it, yeah. you still have a sense of like how far they are away yes. mm-hmm. from where yeah. your main character is. Yeah, you know, and sometimes that gets lost. Like I feel like your next was pretty good with that. Like where like when there's like this this massive house and like you're like where is that guy or yeah. where is whoever? Like you you like if you're really into this movie or if you're into a film and it's got you. You, you are wanting to know where the people are that you should be following. And you don't want the movie to have forgotten that somebody was halfway down the hall yeah. 10 minutes ago. Right. And we don't know why they haven't come downstairs right. Finish yet. the rest of the walk. Yeah, right. exactly. So you need to show like what's going on. And again, I think you're right. I think this movie actually did a better job than your next. Uh, oh, of yeah. Because mm. uh, yeah, yeah. I feel like your I next had right. a couple of moments where I thought, okay, how are people not rushing upstairs to check on this? Right. Or how is this person not downstairs already? But this movie, I thought... What you were saying, Ronald, about the attic stairs. Um, I think let's talk about this after we get into spoiler territory because I feel like most of the things that stretched credulity as far as the the sound design of, of the movie, I think if you think about it, they all fit into yeah. it's all sort of explained by what was going on in yeah, the, at that moment that's very in the movie. True. But yeah, to yeah. say more would be to really get into that zone. Right, right, right. But I think that is, is so important to a movie like yeah. this. And I'll I'm probably going to mention this movie a few times in this episode because people should watch it too but Gerald's Game which is a movie that just came out on Netflix which mm-hmm. is a Stephen King adaptation and also has a centralized in one location idea going on and a much stronger sort of gender critique going on as far as like male and female relationships sure. but still like this movie has a lot to do with that idea of how men objectify uh, women and how a man in particular can objectify a certain woman. And we're so used to seeing in horror films this idea of a female character who's strong, but also who suffers. And I I always wonder when a movie's showing that kind of suffering, like what is this, where does this, what stop is this movie getting off on, on the misogyny train? When you're stopping and you're commenting on it and you're looking at it, I think this movie had a lot to say about that idea of just that specifically gendered thing. And I think it's almost like as a companion piece to Gerald's Game because they are both confined to one space and they have a lot to do with this whole idea of like male characters who you might sort of be sympathetic to and the more you dig into them you might think well this person's got an ugly side right um and you know and and you know there are boyfriends there are there are creepy dads (laughs) there are husbands there's a lot of these behind closed doors this man is still exerting some kind of weird control over this woman sure and i I think you have to be an amazingly overconfident man to not ever have a moment of self-questioning when you see a movie like that uh, where you think, oh, wait, I started off thinking yeah. I, I kind of was putting myself in the shoes of this character, and now I'm going, aren't men just kind of awful? And aren't, yeah. you know, so I think this movie plays around with that in an interesting way. That whole idea of, of, of women suffering, though, in horror films is something that I honestly struggle with. And I was wondering if you guys felt any of that watching <clears throat> this movie, that kind of, like, does it go beyond what the filmmakers are trying to make you feel? Uh, and does it feel like they truly earn it, this, this idea of, you know, a female character who's really cornered and 
trying to beat the odds. I I think there's something to the idea that like the new villain is in a lot of ways uh, a a man in a lot of ways because 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 men are perceived to be at such an advantage for so long and are at an advantage in some ways that that power is always exercised even when there's no reason why it should be mm-hmm. you know what I mean like there's something about somebody looking at a person and be like. I want this person right now. That's mm. that's fucking crazy, and I I don't think that's been explored mm-hmm. quite as much as just the looming guy bursting through doors trying yeah. to kill a person, yeah. right? Rather than a person just being rapey. That is a villain. I think I I love where you're going with that, Ronald, because it it makes me think about the fact that like, and again in Gerald's game, it's very much the same thing. It's like mm. this person is scary because they're big or because they're strong right. or because they're getting the drop on somebody, but this person is also scary because they're male. Yeah. And because in this moment, you're alone with a male who may want to do you harm. And that's just, it's like, it's, I'm, I'm glad, I mean, in a way, I'm glad to see these movies confront it because horror movies have always been able to confront social issues in a way that you could look at and say, wait, is this exploitative or is this actually ahead of the curve in terms of showing us something or yeah. dealing with something? And I've always felt like horror movies, you could make the argument of this is extremely misogynistic. You could also make the argument of, wow, look at what this woman is bouncing back from. And right. look, you know, so often that's the thing. That's the reason the final girl is the yeah, cliche. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's an answer, but I do think it's a it's interesting to see movies deal with it much more head on. That there is yeah. there is something gendered in this film as well. There's a critique of a certain kind of gender relationship that is that is i don't think you should shrink away from it and i don't think this movie necessarily does but i do think this movie much more so than gerald's game goes to other places that it's got thrills and spills that that work on just that level of as we've said before the the home invasion the um the comedy the horror uh, of the holidays and just using holiday imagery where it's normally so joyous and kind of turning it on its head but yeah yeah Definitely. It's a nice little subgenre of horror. I, I wonder why we need that. Like, why do you think we need that? Is it because the holidays can be so overpowering that I that think so? Just seeing yeah. somebody yeah. kind of point out the dark underbelly doesn't stop at the holidays. Is, is that sort of and I think rewarding. that like when you take like, everyday life and have some horrific thing happen, it, right. it sounds horrible. Yeah. But then at the time of year where it's like everything's supposed to be perfect, you know, everything's supposed to be bright and shiny, and so much love and joy everywhere. It's just like. It just fucks with you. Like, you know, mm. everything's supposed to be safe then. Yeah. And when it does come up, it's like, it's not just the, the bad. It's like the opposite of good. Yeah. You know, and you're seeing the best of what's supposed to be good the best time of the year. It's, yeah. Isn't that also when, like, the days are the shortest? And, like, yeah. the, the, the night is the sooner. darkest. Yeah. And the, the nights are the coldest. Yeah. And have you ever had that weird Christmas Eve little flash of loneliness that just cuts through your heart or maybe it doesn't have to be Christmas Eve but it's some winter night and you're walking back to your car when all the shops have closed and you're looking around and you're seeing other people and you feel like you're in a Stephen King book or something (laughs) like that (laughs) leaves are blowing and you know you can hear the the trees kind of creaking in the wind it's like it's full of joy but there's also something extremely dark and lonely uh, it can be very isolating Yeah. yeah definitely I agree so all right so with that in mind, we're going to – anything you want to say to, to kind of set this interview up? No, nah, I mean, it was a pleasure to, to talk with him briefly. I mean, it was very kind of them to take some time out to let us get him on the podcast. Um, I mentioned it in the interview, but he's got a couple big films coming up in the next year. Mm-hmm. The the bigger one, if, if it's not totally clear in the interview, is uh, Paul Dano's directorial debut, debut called Wildlife. Um, he said sometime in 2018. It's not clear in the interview. It's his debut. Debut. <laughs> I've been drinking. Um, but it's a pretty big project for him. Jake Gyllenhaal and Carrie Mulligan are in it. It's a period. Uh, I think th- I think it takes place in the 60s, he said. 
Is but, Paul Dano uh, in it? Paul Dano is also in the film. So yeah. we'll get to see if he Prisoners, gets, if he yeah. gets beaten up in this one. Yeah. Right. Then we know By that that's, Ed Oxenbold. Right, but if we, th- th- then we know it's his thing. You know, yeah, what yeah, I mean? yeah, if yeah. he finally can direct <sighs> a film and he do- and he has himself get beaten up and humiliated, then we know that's just the Paul. Dano yeah, no, it was yeah. a it was a pleasure Flavor. talking to him. He was very kind and uh, definitely excited to see what he's got coming up. So cool. Check it out. All right. So um, I don't know. I guess I kind of want to start off just kind of getting some your your background on how you became involved with Better Watch Out. I mean, I feel like I kind of became more aware of you as an actor. Obviously, I've seen Alexander and uh, seeing you with Olivia in, in The Visit. But I mean, how did you get involved with this film? And uh, I guess I'm curious, how close was this film when it came to you to uh, to your work on on The Visit? Well, I was initially approached by uh, Chris and McCuffin, director, to play uh, Levi Miller's role, Luke, so they're kind of leading the film. That character's quite full on, and I mean, as you know, as I'm sure you know, and I kind of went, ooh, I'm not sure 100% about this. But then, I, so I kind of turned it down, and then it came back around for the role of Garrett, who initially in the script was a, a chubby Puerto Rican kid, which I'm not. And, he, um, <laughs> and I guess the role had changed a little bit. <laughs> But when that came around, I thought, yeah, let's do it. I auditioned for it. I had two little short auditions before meeting Chris, the director, who was just fantastic. And we, I felt like we instantly bonded with him, and I went, okay, I really want to get this. And then I got it, and then pretty much immediately after, we started shooting in Australia. We filmed it uh, January 2016, so quite a while back. And then we shot for about, I think, just under two months. Kind of going from the visit to Better Watch Out. I mean, neither one of them are really just straight kind of horror films, but like more of a, a, a mm. unique variety of a of a thriller. You know what I mean? Like, are you into those kinds of movies personally? Yes. Yeah. No, I love it. It's a really good thriller that makes you think and that makes you scared and it just kind of gets into your brain. That's my favorite type of film. I just love films that affect you, and I feel like thrillers are ones that can just really, really get into your head. And, and just kind of mess with you. And that's what I love about it. Right. And uh, I love what it kind of can, I love what it could do that and then incorporate comedy, which I felt like what the visit did and what, uh, what I better watch out is kind of doing. So I love that aspect of it because then I feel like you go on a journey throughout the whole thing and you just feel a whole variety of different emotions. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's like a, that's one of the unique things about this film, I think, and like, and a lot of the successful films in that genre is that, you know, if you can blend that tension and have humor kind of laced in through it, it really kind of invests you a little more in the movie. So when bad things happen, you really feel it. This film immediately rolls into this subgenre of these holiday horror, holiday thriller movies, you know, that yeah. take place around these times that are like, you know, families gathering or everybody's happy, everything's bright and shiny, but yeah. something is really yeah. wrong here. It's you know very- what I mean? It's very, it's very twisted. It's, yeah, that's what I kind of yeah. love about it as well. It kind of took the best time of the year and just made it so evil. Yeah, and, and, and kind of staying away from talking too much directly about the film, because this is the kind of movie that I really think that, and I think, uh, you know, distributors have done a really good job so far of, like, not giving too much away. Like, movies really benefit from just, like, you know, kind of going in, understanding the film. You know, this is a, yeah. You know, a babysitter, and there's something wrong with people trying to get in the house, and that's all you need to know. And, and I feel like that's the kind of movie, and this film, they do a really good job so far, which benefits all you guys, I think. So kudos to everybody who's working on that to not give away too much, because it, it's even better of an experience with those kinds of things where, like, you know, you can really just go for a ride and 
you know, it's not really often anymore that I feel like movies can really surprise you. So it, it's cool when there is, you know, a lot of uh, thought going into not only the movie itself and, and what it wants to say, but like how it's being put out there. It's rare that it's like not given away. Going into something and being surprised is the best way to do it. And especially when it's something like this, when you really don't know what's going on. But that's, uh, I feel like we also kind of did it, you know, with the visit. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I think it'll just make them people enjoy it even more when I go and see the cinema and I don't know what's going on. Are you 15, 16 years old right now? Yeah, I'm 16. So one of the things that I love, I'm in my mid-30s, so, I, you know, watching this kind of film, like, I immediately watch this, and like what I mentioned before, like the holiday movies that are kind of horror-y or thriller-ish, you know, there's movies like, yeah. uh, you know, there were movies like uh, like Gremlins and Black Christmas, and more recently there was a film that came out called Krampus. The film is so meta and, like, so aware of some of the references to films. I mean, straight out, you know, you have a scene-stealing moment in the movie when, you know, you make a reference to Home Alone, and, uh, you know, that's yeah. such a great moment in the film and so funny and yet not funny in the moment that it's happening. Uh, but yeah. the movie yeah. has, like, those references to movies like Home Alone, and there's even moments like towards the end where I, I, I'm feeling like a Ferris Bueller's Day Off kind of thing going on um, when uh, Levi's oh, character is trying to kind of get some get some things together, and you know even just like things like Scream come to mind. So it's really it's a really fun ride. But I think you guys did a great job, you know, in, in trying to make this movie while you kind of acknowledge those things and it kind of wears some of that stuff, you know, on its sleeve. It's it, it's it's a very original take on it, and especially the way the the last act of the movie plays out. That was definitely one of the things that drew me when I initially read the script because all that stuff was in there and it just occurred to me how, yeah, how perfect of a blend it was of these holiday movies and even some more serious thriller movies. And I just thought it was, yeah, it was just enough of kind of an homage but still this original strange thing. But I, I feel like, I mean, Chris and the other writer, Zach, did an incredible job with creating that. And I thought that Chris made, uh, did an even better job of bringing it under the screen. So I'm kind of curious, like, what is your preparation for a role like this when you are kind of stepping around in different areas of the genre where there's comedy and there's a thriller and there's some pretty dark stuff happening in this movie? Like, how do you approach that? Well, like you were saying before with all the films that they mentioned, I had, uh, if, usually on a project, if I haven't seen them, then I've watched them. But, I mean, they're such classics. I've seen Home Alone and Scream and Gremlins and stuff like that. And I, I did watch Krampus as well before filming. But, um... I, with the characters, oh, cool. we did a lot of rehearsal. Yeah, we did a lot of rehearsal periods with Chris and Levi and Olivia. We all had a big collaborative process, but it was it was really interesting. I thought Garrett uh, was such a great character. He has a really great character arc, and yeah, although he was kind of the the comedy relief, he's yeah, he's more of this kind of he's the kind of really grounding character in the whole film, really. But I thought he was. Uh, an amazing character, and I thought we had, me and Chris spent a lot of time together rehearsing, as well as all the other actors, and just getting the bare bones of all the character, just working on each line, and yeah, we worked a lot on the character arts, and how we wanted them to start, how we wanted them to end, uh, but we did that for pretty much mostly every character, and that just helped so much. Um, I guess the last question I have is just kind of out of curiosity for you, what do you have coming up next, like what, what are we going to see you in next, and, and what's coming down the line for you? Uh, well, almost immediately after I we shot Better Watch Out, I filmed uh, another film in Australia, an Australian production called The Butterfly Tree, which uh, might be coming out soon, I think October. And then I did another film after that called Wildlife with Jake uh, Gyllenhaal, Carrie Mulligan, and Paul Dana, which was incredible. That was a fantastic experience. Very different, <laughs> very different than Better Watch Out. That was more of a drama. 
1960s. But that's kind of the next big thing, and then I'm just waiting to film whatever comes with my life. The film Wildlife. I read that. That is, is that Paul Dano directing that as well? Yes, that was his debut. Yeah. Well, hey, Ed, I really appreciate yeah. you taking some time to talk to me. And uh, again, movie is a lot of fun. Best of luck with everything you have coming up. Oh, no worries, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm so glad you enjoyed the film, and I'm, yeah, I'm very excited to see what it's like when it comes out. Beep boop, beep boop, beep. <laughs> I'm, I'm loving, loving it. it. <laughs> Great interview from media correspondent. <laughs> it's amazing what Google Voice can help you do. Yeah. yeah. Let's, uh, yeah, let's get back to so it. So let's yeah. do a, a brief uh, spoiler. Spoiler. Yeah. Here is a spoiler. Is that our like? Is that our like little <laughs> yeah. hook for it? Yes. Sound like going it. down the spoiler town. <laughs> yeah. How about that. I just like a guitar riff. I, I felt like a Nickelback. I was, I was like, that's Ronald <laughs> channeling Nickelback. I was going more with like seventies, uh, like what's happening style television <laughs> show. Yeah, 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 so yeah. if we can merge those, together. if you could do them together. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, let's do it. Oh, editing can make anything possible. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so you know we're in the spoiler zone. So if you haven't seen this movie or think you might get want to see off. this movie, get out of here. Leave. So we can just talk about the turn at about fifteen minutes. Well, first in. just hit pause. Yeah. Then mm. just close your app and yeah. go watch the film. Come back later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you then get to, back into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to like leave permanently. But we wanted to say something more dramatic, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> I understand your motivation, John. You got a little I still want to scare off the three people that listen to yeah, this right. podcast. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into it, man. Uh, spoilery. Uh, so there's a dramatic turn that happens in the movie. Can we it's a couple, actually. <laughs> the, big one big is, <laughs> the big one, I would say, is just the moment where... And in fact, the movie kind of this, this movie sort of saves itself at a, diff, a few different points. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. there were points where I would start to think, oh, "Okay, I'm not as interested in where I think this might be going," right. and then it would show me something different. And the first one is really the moment where we see that this home invasion that sort of kicks off the the really it's you're still in the first act. It feels like yeah. when it when it starts, yeah, that it's it's all been an arranged thing. It's been a ruse on the part of the uh, the boy. What's his name? What's the character's name? I have it pulled up. Hold That's on. Levi Miller. Garrett is Ed Oxenbold's character. Yeah. Mm -mm -mm. Uh, Luke. Luke, right, right, right. That it's Luke. That At the very beginning of the movie, Luke and Garrett are up in Luke's room, and they're talking about his plan. Mm -hmm. And it seems like they're talking about the plan that we see that seems yeah. like the fumbling, goofy plan of a guy who's about to turn 13, which yeah. is that he thinks he's going to drink some champagne with this 18-year-old babysitter, and she's going to be so charmed by him, kind of white-knighting for her mm -hmm. and, and bad-mouthing her boyfriend um, and that it's going to be his big night to to either slip it to her before she leaves town <laughs> or just make out with her and grab some boobage. I'm, right, right. I'm thinking like a 12 yeah, or 13-year-old yeah. boy right now. Yeah, but yeah. like it seems like it's a little nefarious and a little gross, yeah. but you are sort of willing to believe, well, this movie's just being unflinching about the horniness of young boys. You sure, know? But sure. it doesn't feel like it's going to go to this perfectly ugly place mm. where... He's not just trying to... I mean, we later find out he's not really trying to do anything but wreak havoc. Yeah. But at this moment, it seems like he's got something much more creepy up his sleeve than just than just <clears throat> trying to put some moves on a girl. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. How did you guys feel at that moment? And, and did, you, did you feel like it had redeemed some of the stuff, Ronald, that you were talking about? Like, for instance, the sound design. When, when she's up in the attic and she falls down and the right. noise she made, which was way too much noise to be made <laughs> right. and believe that the, whoever was prowling around the house wasn't hearing them. Yeah. But when we find out this is all a put-on, it makes sense that the guy with the gun didn't come running in right, when, when right. she was screaming Wasn't about part the, of the spider plan. and stuff. Right. 
Um, yeah, I thought that was really cool because it. I mean, it was a little bit of a payoff because you see all this kind of really dramatic stuff happen very quickly, and you're like, man, uh, the action has been kicked up a notch, and I'm ready for people to start getting hurt. I'm ready for this villain to start slashing some throats, and then you realize it's all bullshit. And the villain truly is a teenage boy, which which I think is something that I haven't seen in a while, and mm-hmm. especially in a movie in the 2000s, a teenage boy being the villain. Well, kind of, what what I really loved about it, and you kind of get to it as the movie goes on, like mm-hmm. gets towards the third act, is that like I love the layers of what the plan was and like right. who knew about the plan. Like even though his friend Garrett is involved in the portion where he's supposed to be invading the home and scaring the shit out of them so that he can save her and she'll love, you know, him for saving the day and all this shit. And he's mm-hmm. acting so brave. You know, when that gets found out, you know, Garrett's in on all that, but that you gets to a point where like Garrett's not in on what Luke's ultimate plan was. Right. And um it gets real fucking dark. It and does. It, and I mean like I, I I was actually kind of jarred a couple times with how quickly certain things happen mm-hmm. um with people dying. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of shocking how specifically one of the characters, well, a co- actually, no, most of them, it's kind of mm-hmm. shocking how most of them die. Mm-hmm. Um, not to take, not to, I mean, even though we're spoiling, I, I kind of want to not mention the one, <laughs> yeah. um, cause it is kind of fucked up and it's, uh, and it's even more fucked up cause you don't really see it happen. You're saying, Steve, that this is a spoiler section where we are still, if there is that person <laughs> who thinks they want to listen to spoilers, well, but, but might come out of this going, Let's watch this movie. Right. We're protecting even them from from that even, impulse because I do agree with you. I just I just want that one scene to be preserved because I think that's the scene where we realize that Garrett is not a part of this anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. it's it's gone to the level of like it's a fucking shit show at this point. Yeah. And it's like then you're really wondering like who is going to survive this? Yeah, who's yeah. worthy to survive? Who's going to be smart enough to survive? Because this kid seems pretty fucking smart. He has a lot of. He's got a lot of things thought yeah. through. And his plan is pretty, oh, pretty perfect. Yeah, yeah. But that scene, I don't want to. I, I want to save no, that for I agree you. With you. For no, the reason, the reason why I'm asking you that is because yeah. I do think that even if we're saying we're going to spoil it, our goal is never to just sit down and just list everything that happens in the movie. Right. Yeah. It's to talk about topics that you can't talk about without spoiling certain things. But right. I think what yeah. you're talking about, the order of who dies, who exactly dies, who kills yeah. exactly yeah. who. I kind of, even if I'm, I guess what I'm saying is even to the listener who thinks they they don't mind spoilers, yeah. I would rather them still have a few visceral kicks Absolutely. when they see the film. And it's it's one of the important ones to me because in that opening scene that you referenced when they're kind of going about a plan, there's a reference of if somebody was right about what would happen if this thing happened. Yeah. yeah. And then when it happens and you hear what the bet was, it's like what would happen if this happened? Yeah. And like he's boasting about it, mm-hmm. you just realize like fuck, like yeah, it's, it's it just crazy. went next level. I would and even say Garrett is scared shitless right now. I would yeah. even say that moment has extra impact because I think we've probably all had that conversation at some point Absolutely. in yeah. relation yeah. to a certain film. Absolutely, we've all said, "Oh come on, this is it's ridiculous that these characters aren't dying left and <laughs> right. right because of right. this." What so, is happening yes. to them? What's super interesting too is like you know when she realizes that what's going on. I've never seen a movie play out how angry someone is. For as long as it did. She's yeah. like, what the fuck is happening? You pieces of shit. How the fuck it... it, yeah, it she, was she totally strips I'm, away all of her like affection and says, yeah. you're an indulged delusional ki- yeah. twerp. You know, yeah. and you realize like this guy doesn't She's have anything nuts. to cling to anymore. Yeah. And you realize like just how bad it's going to get. And I then really when he, like that. When he shoved her, did you think she was dead? 
Yes. I did too. I, was, I, was I thought certain. this movie, when he pushed yeah. her down the stairs, yeah. and she landed at the bottom of the stairs, when and he, like, I slaps her. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, we slaps she's, her. She's done. I was like, yeah. oh, wow, this, what is this movie? <laughs> <You're right. laughs> I really was. It's not the same thing. I was like, what? If she dies at this moment, what yeah. is this movie? So I'm glad she didn't die at that moment. But, because, yeah, there, there are moments later where you realize there's it still doesn't feel like the kind of movie where she necessarily is going to survive. But I do think this this movie knows where it sits in relation to other horror films, and it does a really good job of creating a good uh, evil slasher killer and final girl type relationship. Like yeah. this, the idea of the jilted boy crush and the sort of, you know, the babysitter, which you realize as the movie goes on, what a cliche that is, that, yeah. they, that the heroine is a babysitter in this type of movie. But it really does feel like it knows exactly what it's doing with those tropes. Yeah. Because it constantly turns them on their head so much. There's something super interesting about the idea that, like, the, the, the stereotypes that a, a teenage boy has about a woman, she uses to her advantage. Like, right. her being weaker and not as... You know, it's just really Assumption, interesting. Yeah, 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 she uses she uses these ideas and kind of flips them on its head, yeah. and she uses that to her advantage because he thinks that she is weak. She thinks that he she can't handle what's going on, which is quite the opposite. And she shows it in the beginning. If you kind of see when the when the drama first kicks off, yeah. it's very clear that this isn't like something that just kind of kicks in in the middle. She's a very strong person. She she takes control of the situation as soon as it kicks off, right. which doesn't which creates some kind of continuity to her character, yeah. which I liked. I mean, sure, I, sure. It felt a little like it, it wasn't the best at how it did it, but she was she was a good character. I I, I thought that she was a good enough character to kind of handle some of the stuff. Yeah, we're talking about yeah. we should we've been talking about her. I never thought about it until Olivia. we were just talking about it. How, but do, yeah. how do you say her last name, Steve? Olivia De De Jong, De Hong, De Hong, De Hong, Olivia De Hong. She plays Ashley as a horror film, as a thriller. Is it more sort of exploitative than it is uh, feminist, for lack of a better term, or does does it represent a female character who you think actually is a new shade on that kind of girl in peril? Um, I think it's exploitative in a lot of ways, but I think it uses that as an advantage to disarm the 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 viewer. You know, you kind of think like, all right, this is this has the tropes of all the movies I've ever seen, but sh she's using this 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 perceived weakness in a different way. Mm -hmm. Like like there's a joke that Donald Glover tells where like uh, like men always have like a a tale about a crazy girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And women don't because that guy tries to kill them. Yeah. You know what I mean? There, yeah. There's none of that. There's yeah. like something to that idea that like women's version of a nightmare <laughs> includes a version of like aggression, a physical assault of all these things that like. Who said that, Ronald? Um, I, I haven't heard Donald Glover make that joke, but the saying I've heard is um, men worry that women will laugh at them. Mm -hmm. Women worry that men will kill them. <laughs> yes. And it was like, okay, yeah. All right, yeah. The idea of being I humiliated yeah. is, is like one of the worst things. If you're a man, one of the worst things you can picture is being humiliated. Right. And if you're a woman, you're like, oh, humiliation? Fuck that. I'm worried you're going to rape me. I'm worried you're going to kill me. You know? Right. And so he uses I, that a lot right. in this movie. Yeah, but yeah. It, it definitely does. And how much you sort of, you come to hate this kid, that's, a, that's like, it really... I don't know, it really got under my skin because yeah. he's just such a bad egg, this kid. <laughs> he's a real, real discipline problem, I would he say. Is, man. <laughs> like, how do you feel, Steve? Like, the performance, the, the way the movie tilted you towards that character, <clears throat> did you kind of feel like that was one of the strengths of the film? Or do you think he kind of became a, a cartoon a mastermind bit. at some a point? A little bit. <laughs> I actually would say, like, one of the weakest things for me 
while it was like a huge effort and a big undertaking and like as even ed mentioned in the interview like he was initially up for the role of luke and kind of passed on it because of like he was a little intimidated by it because mm-hmm. it is a pretty big ask of a kid that's probably 12 13 14 years old whatever they were when they made this but i di- i did kind of feel that like uh levi, that, Miller. levi miller's performance I, I didn't like love it i loved I it you. more towards the end like when he went full tilt you know and like when it kind of becomes that ferris bueller territory you know yeah. i love yeah. that stuff because that's when it's like he's checking off all of his boxes and it's so and that's when you don't know whether stuff. you're rooting for him right. to pull to, it to off to get away or not. with it or yeah. not. It's like it, it tests I mean, that. I, by the way, anyone listening, I'm not suggesting you're rooting for this character who's done all these things, but the movie does make you feel in that moment it's a more interesting movie if he's able to to Ferris Bueller this yeah. situation yeah. Uh, and get everything put back into place and be laying in bed when his parents come in, which is, again, it's extremely Ferris Bueller to the point where that must have been a conscious reference. Right, absolutely. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't have that... That music Spider-Man used yeah. that already. I know what you mean. Like, there's, <laughs> right. there's not a full commitment to the intensity that I think it would take to kill somebody. See, I don't know. Like, it's, 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 it's like there was, but it was almost like just not good. Like, <laughs> yeah. there was a couple parts where I this performance you. where I was just like kind of taken out of it. Okay, mm. here's honestly I, what I, I was thinking at those moments, no, Steve, was, and I didn't know which it was, but I thought it fit the movie. Where, mm. like, if he is, if whether this is like questionable acting or if this is a boy's idea of being a badass or acting cool. Okay. Like some of the scenes where he's like dancing or yeah. kind of acting tough. I don't know if I was supposed to feel like that looked tough or that that looked like a ridiculous boy who, who thinks, thinks he's, he's looking tough. super yeah, badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thinks that, cool. That's a good point. And maybe that's what it was. I mean, but that almost seems like an extra level of craft that would, <laughs> like, as good as this movie is in some ways, it's not like a subtle film. Yeah. So I don't know that they would be. And again, Ed Oxenblood, I do think that character, Garrett, felt more like a real character throughout. Right. But maybe he had he got to stand there and observe and say, guys, what's going on here a little bit, versus being the character who has to carry the sort of almost Hannibal lecture esque quality yeah, yeah. of, oh, of no Luke doubt. In no doubt. But yeah. Do you think he succeeded overall? I guess that's the question I should. Do you think he succeeded overall in seeming kind of like I mean I thought it was a good performance yeah, I, I, there, there I just were you. a couple points where I kind of was taken out a little bit by like it kind of just feeling feeling to me feeling like too yeah. over the top or too it was missing a mark for me no I I, I know exactly there was a the couple moments. parts that were really kind of like weird like you know in that scene in that world I don't I don't know that like that looked right to me or like mm. there's a couple portions of the film that were like that like the little dancing moments mm-hmm. and like yeah. when he's like when he's like scre- there's a couple parts where he's like screaming mm-hmm and like just kind of trying to command the room and it, it it could just be like a failed effort of a 12 year old you know like to try to yeah. be big and bold and yeah. loud but just something was off with a few i mean but I, again towards the end of the film i think once the scene that we've saved you from happens or that we've saved for you happens yeah. from there on i actually thought it was pretty pretty in the lane like i thought he would kind of hit that stride because at that point there's no there's no bouncing between yeah. you know where's this kid going you know it's yeah. like he's straight out like a dick i feel yeah. like him being kind of whiny and screechy in those moments is almost it's the same calculated risk of in uh, the force awakens having kylo ren be yeah. be kind of unstable and yeah. seem like an immature character and i think that in both cases i would argue that it's intentional whether it's annoying or not yeah. is, is a good question. But I think in both cases, we were meant to realize what a kid he was when okay. he does scream. And yeah. you're like, this is not commanding at all. This yeah. is like, it's he's trying to be it's aggravating. Yeah. It's irritating. But the moment where he uh, screams at Garrett later in the film, 
still packed a lot of punch because yeah. in that moment oh, yeah. you realize what his that he still does have some boundaries even within this situation that's gone so haywire yeah. Yeah. this kid still has some rules that he he thinks should be observed yeah, you know, stay so. with my girl yeah <laughs> Um, I just want to say one thing that won't mean anything to you if you haven't seen the movie, but after watching this movie yesterday, I went and hung out with a friend, and it was just an odd moment, and his phone rang at one point, and he picked up the phone, and it said Ricky, and he was like, ugh, and he turned it upside down and put it on the coffee table. And I was just like, okay, I'm not I'm not planning on, on uh, you know, I don't have a fake home invasion plan. Yeah. I don't know where that scene, but it still was an odd moment to That's see funny. so specifically something that is like, it was the same like, no, I don't even want to look at that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, who's Ricky? This Ricky who's gets Ricky? on. Um, but yeah, so so what, in it's general, it. though, I think we said this before we got to the yeah. interview, but we're generally saying if you are a fan of, of, if it sounds like your cup of tea, you probably will find something in this film because it's generally well made. Yeah, yeah. it's a fun movie. It's, I'd suggest watching with a couple people. I think there's something about kind oh, of yeah. group situations in this sort of movie. Well, you know, you're cheering on whoever's supposed to be the hero in this in the scene. I, I think that shift in the shift that happens in the first third of the movie seems like a, a good group sort of experience. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, fuck, what? Yeah. You know, just kind of experiencing that together. That's, That's something true. really cool That's about true. that. I saw, uh, when I saw Gerald's game, I thought the same thing. Really? Like, cool, cool. I don't forget who, which one of you I said it to, that it was like, it's the, one of the first movies I've seen on, that's a Netflix original, that I wished I was seeing in a theater full right, of people. Right, right. And I don't often wish for that audience experience of hearing other people's reactions. Yeah. Was that kid that smart? That's, that's what I think he was. was, man. The kid's real smart. Because then even towards the end, you realize like the, the, the sleepwalking with the pencil in the yeah. door, like all that stuff was like like sort of planned yeah you know, like, the whole thing was planned yeah like that was his Jeez. way to prove to like the mother he was he never left the room during this entire thing i think that kid's smart as fuck and it made me uncomfortable I, I i did notice that the movie was another knowing thing they did is almost like a gag which related to the i already mentioned the smartphone but like throwing the smartphone in that was that's another one of those genre things that if that's how we knew it was set in the present day was that she had a smartphone Throwing the smartphone in the aquarium was a great way to say, oh, but Let's now we're back. back in the yep. 80s yep. where the phone line can be cut and you're stuck. You yeah. Know? yeah, totally. Of course, she was like, let's, and, 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 let's and, and, get on the computer. And the internet was down. Yeah. 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 But I love that they at least spelled that out. I mean, that, that could have been a little paint by numbers, but I thought it was cool the way they, they went down the list. Yeah. Okay, here's why they're actually trapped. And they did it very economically. And it was amazing how quickly they made the idea of being in a neighborhood still very scary. Yeah. Even yeah. though you'd like to think you aren't cut off from things, you know. You'd like to believe that with all these resources that you can you you can call the police at any point, but that stuff can be stopped too. Like it's totally. it's still you can still make somebody's world a lot smaller if you if, if you have a hold of their technology. There's something really interesting about that. Mm -hmm. Totally. So yeah, it's it's available now on video on demand or like I said at select theaters across the country. You can check that out uh, on on its official website to see if it's uh, playing near you. But it's on video on demand, so you can just watch it at home mm -hmm. with your friends and family. Yes, and, get a group and, together. And, and get in on it together and have fun. Uh, again, Better Watch Out is, is available now. And Gerald's Game, also, Netflix as well. Awesome. Is available Netflix Netflix Instant. Oh. All right, so I think it's safe to say the next episode will be episode 200? Uh, it seems like we're right so there. We're so we're right there, guys. We've okay. never done anything between a, a 0.5 and a, and a, okay, and so, a regular so number, history. except for the one time that we did uh, Lady Ghostbusters <laughs> last year. <laughs> Um, uh, <laughs> Let was, Ghostbusters uh, answer the call. Yeah, um, it Ghostbusters uh, 2016. I think yeah. some people call it. That was a a, a point six six episode, but I think that was just because it was like it was a six point six six, and it was a a paranormal film. Right, so right, we, right. You know, it's a stretch because it's not really demonic or satanic, but still. So yes, 
probably steve the next episode is 200 probably it sounds good sounds good all you out there all the would you say three people is that what you said earlier? i'm guess i'm guessing mm. the three or four people <laughs> who are still optimistic. listening <laughs> three to six i'm willing to say okay i'm very enough. optimistic um yeah just look in your feed you'll see what comes next it ought to be 200 but if not uh, you have yourself to blame for yeah. for following our show <laughs> how dare you <laughs> Uh, you can find us at MovieSchmovie.com, Facebook.com slash MovieSchmovie, or email us at MovieSchmovie at gmail.com. Any feedback you have, uh, ideas for shows that you want to hear, feel free to send them along. And most importantly, um, you can subscribe to the podcast pretty much anywhere podcasts are available. Um, and if you are using Apple Podcasts, it'd be great, especially if you could leave a star rating or a review. Any kind of rating helps the show. Um, Please. A lot. <laughs> Uh, hopefully helps us find a larger audience and, and more people to listen to this show. Cool. Um, otherwise, as always, you've made our day.